Hello, welcome to Back Pain Pals. I'm Lesbian Next Door, or LND. You can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash lesbian next door. I am here with my co-host, Sid Cletty. And you can find Sid at twitch.tv slash Sid underscore Coletti. Today, we are going to talk about how chronic pain can cause brain fog and isolation. Please join us. Welcome in. Welcome in. I hope that you are doing well. I am here with my podcast friend and co-host Sid. Hello, Sid. How are you? Hey, Andy. How are you, my friend? I am actually a little nervous. I'm actually a little nervous. If I'm going to be a little honest here, I'm a little nervous. I completely understand nervousness. I get it. But, um, you know, we had a good talk before stream and kind of discussed the, the necessity of the conversation, like past yeah. the willingness, like the willingness yeah. was there. So now it's like, okay. Now we have to talk about it since that willingness is there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also incredibly important as well. A lot of the subjects that we touch on, I find are under talked about. Yeah. Under understood. Like there, there is lack of knowledge there, which I mean, considering how modern medicine is, there should be more knowledge in some of these things. <laughs> Not Just even... Saying. Not even just the knowledge that uh, for modern medicine, but just like our ability to cope and sort of, you know, to to cope with what we deal with, whatever that is. And also it gives us the opportunity to have conversations where realize that, oh, I'm not alone, which I think, yeah. honestly, is kind of the most important thing. And also, funnily enough, kind of walks us into a piece of the conversation we're going to have today. Yeah, so let's get our intro in and then we will transition over. Absolutely. Okay, so that's where the intro would go? Yeah, let me try that again. I'll start again. <laughs> we're professionals. No, we're not. Okay, three, two, one, mark. All right, so let's transition over to Vortex Stardew Valley Streaming, which is where we sit down and have our conversations. Uh, wrong one, podcast. There we go. Because I have to have adults having difficult conversations across the screen as well. That's right. So that's important. Just so there's a little bit of a, a, a difference between my regular Stardew Valley and this one. Exactly. So when Sid and I were talking about this, I had actually suggested sitting in Stardew Valley specifically because it's a game that I play a bunch of. And with this, also just having this moniker at the top so that it's easy to read. And it's sort of like something interesting to have in the background showing while we sit down and have this conversation. Because most of the time I'm can't, I don't use a camera. And I found this was a good way to, like, bring it all together. Yeah. And for those who, who are watching on Twitch can kind of enjoy just the peaceful view of us just, you know, chilling beside the ocean or sitting in a little grove having tea, whatever, you know? Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, for those who are 
of you who are in the podcast, if you do play Stardew Valley right now, we are on the pier just sitting down. We've got some of those birch chairs that we're sitting in and just watching the ocean as we have this conversation. Also, everyone on the podcast, thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate your time. Sid also appreciates your time. I'm going to speak for Sid. Sid appreciates for you and totally. your time with us. <laughs> she is 100% right to speak on my behalf in that one. Yes. O- only for that one, though. That's right. Other things, I don't know. Might be a little... Um, That's why I trust you. Oh, I trust you too, friend. Right? Isn't this nice and disgusting? Yay. Ew. I know. Feelings. I know. Yuck. It- it's so sweet that we're making each other diabetic. Yeah, it's fine. I hate it. <laughs> On that fun note, welcome in, everybody, to Back Pain Pals. <laughs> I know L&D already did the introduction. But, uh, yeah, now that we're we're in it, in it. Um, my friend, I think... So the way we frame this today, we're going to have two topics, obviously, um, that, we just, that we mentioned in the beginning. The um, brain fog and isolation. So... Brain fog was very much L&D's topic, so she's going to kind of run with it, and then once we get to the other side of it, I'll run with my piece, and then we'll kind of go back and forth. So whenever you want, you can go ahead and kick us off and um, get going. So the Googles say people who are suffering from chronic pain illness may find their cognitive abilities declining. This is often known as brain fog. It is defined as a lack of mental clarity because of less capacity to concentrate or recall things. Interestingly enough, the other day, I was having such an awful brain fog day. It was to the point where like, I was trying to do some stuff with the stream and make it a little bit better. And I was having actual difficulties reading the sentences on this help page on how to port one thing to another so that it works in OBS and I was just like I can't I can't even like process the language that is on written words now this is different from ADHD specifically which we do talk about and discuss as well during um, L&D's Grove my regular streaming time Uh, I do have ADHD the feeling is very different though ADHD is more like I can't concentrate because there's just so many different things that I'm trying to think of right now and my brain is just everywhere at once and I can't keep a hold of the thought because it keeps bouncing this one was literally trying to read through several layers of gauze or sheer like curtains or what have you and like I could see it the just the the ability to process the language I was reading was difficult and I had to take it in small chunks for it to work, which slows everything down and then gets be very frustrated because I know how to read. I am an avid reader. I swear right? I can read. I know words. <laughs> I can read. I, I am an adult who is lucky enough to be able to read. That's not always uh, accessible mm-hmm. to everyone as well. So I'm just making sure to acknowledge that first. I am lucky enough that I'm an adult who is not only a reader, but an avid reader. Uh, so much so that like I have an Excel. Sorry, I have a, spre- a Google spreadsheet of the books <laughs> that I've, <laughs> I've gone through that year. It's amazing. Kind of like nerd love it right total nerd it's okay it's okay um 
And then, yes, um, Vi says, you can also get uh, brain fog from other ailments, too. I have celiac disease, and it gives me brain fog from my brain uh, uh, getting messed up by the gluten. So if anyone in chat resonates with what LND describes but don't have pain, you've got a valid brain fog for any variety of reasons. Absolutely and 100%. Sometimes mine comes from, from pain. Um, other times... It can just be from fatigue, right? Like, I am sure that most people around who have been, like, dead tired and trying to, like, think of something or process have had something similar. Mm -hmm. This is just slightly more intense and sometimes continuous. Okay. Well, let me ask you a question. With uh... mm -hmm. Okay, so obviously brain fog, it, it, it will affect your ability to you know, read and retain information from a couple of sentences. Does it affect your ability to do certain simple tasks or communicate with your spouse or a friend? Like what, like, does this sort of affect you on all sort of like areas or is it just specifically with information? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I'm having brain fog days, I refuse to drive. Okay. That's I good. will not <laughs> I will not get behind the vehicle whatsoever. And that's the same. Like if I'm having a really intense pain day, mm -hmm. I also won't get behind the vehicle because I don't want, because one, sometimes uh, my nerves will get compressed and mm. they will be given the on, off, on, off, on, off. And the muscles will just start to contract. Which is fantastic. Yeah. And it's my driving leg. Sometimes that will do it. Ooh, I don't want to yeah. cause an accident. No. I, I'm just I don't need to learn that skill set on how I've had a car accident because I didn't listen to my body and be like, you know what? I'm not 100 percent. I'm not going to get behind the wheel. I don't need that. I don't want it. So I refuse to drive if I'm not at peak. Good for you for making that responsible choice. A lot of people would mm. probably sort of, quote, tough through that. So. Good for you. I know people who have toughed through that and have wrecked their cars as a result. This is after the my after the fact that I made my choice. That wasn't like the reason why I made my choice. I made my choice, and then I saw this person who chose differently, mm -hmm. and the consequences of them choosing differently. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it just sort of reinforced being like, oh yeah, I totally made the right choice. Yeah, you chose wisely. Mm -hmm. Chose wisely. That's right. Uh, and yeah, Vi also says heat is probably uh, giving so many people brain fog right now. Exactly. That is an excellent segue as well. And, and something that more people, people may be able to um, resonate with. Right. Mm. Like if you, if it's, it's so hot and you can barely function and it's just all you can be like, Oh my God, it's so hot. I just, you're dehydrated. All of it. Yeah. That would definitely also be a, a, a brain fog type of situation for sure. Yeah. Um, Adrian on Fire says that brain fog can also be caused by mental or emotional stress. Mental, emotional stress, and trauma can and often show up as physical pain in the body, which includes things like brain fog. Your mind and your and your body are connected. Monitoring, monitoring, uh, moderating, <laughs> monitoring, <laughs> monitor. I swear I can read. I believe you. I swear I can read. <laughs> monitoring how you feel is very important. Absolutely. Well, and that's kind of the whole, so much this. the whole like basis of our podcast. Like 
if you think about it, mm-hmm. I mean, chronic pain is the focus, but it's everything that surrounds life with it. Yeah. Right? So most of that has to do with that mind-body connection of like how you cope with, you know, dealing with pain in general, how you, you know, your interpersonal relationships are affected. All of this is mind-body connection because you're in this pain, but you also have to cope with your life. So yes, to Ar- uh, to Arian's point, 100% true and something that we're trying to be, we always, you know, try to be mindful of. And I think that that's kind of what we focus on here in these mm-hmm. conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anxiety is also one that can cause it. Anxiety can come out in different ways as well and affect your body differently. Just like uh, pain can affect your body differently. I know some people who will get really upset stomachs mm-hmm. if they're in a lot of pain, for example. Yes. Absolutely. And, and sometimes it's just a matter of like checking in with yourself being like, okay, is it something that like, I'm anxious about is it something that has occurred that I haven't dealt with yet and I need to like take a minute to like address it mm-hmm. and asking yourself those difficult questions can can be really life-saving and and change your life for the better as well so those are definitely touching in really really important right so so let me ask another question so now I guess how do you cope with it then so you recognize it so then what do you do to cope with or get around or whatever when you do notice these episodes of this of this brain fog you deal with? Um, so the example that I was giving the uh, giving earlier happened the other day. Uh-huh. What I ended up doing, I made a ticket in the EBGG and I reached out for help. And like, look, I am having a brain pain fog day. I'm having trouble trying to do this. This is the problem. This is the solution I'm looking for. This is the program that I'm using to try and make the solution. And I'm just having difficulty trying to process the information I need in order to make my stream better. And I need help. Okay. Speaking of uh, really quick, just for anybody listening on the podcast side, when uh, LD mentioned EBGG, um, that's oh, right. our stream team because we both uh, stream on Twitch. We're... You know, we play our uh, our games and we talk to our communities and uh, it stands for Everbright Global Gaming. And it's basically just a group of amazing people that stream and all support each other. Yeah. So I am one of the directors of the Everbright Global Gaming team. That's at twitch.tv slash team slash EBGG. EBGG is an inclusive community of gamers that have created a safe space for all. Our team loves helping streamers out by being supportive through mentoring. And that's the program. That's how Sid and I met, how we became really good friends, and how we are now together doing a podcast in Stardew Valley and being silly (laughs) and serious at the same time. I say this because Sid right now has a pirate outfit on with an eye patch while we're sitting in front of the ocean. Just... Just so you know. I don't understand why that's silly. If anything, that makes sense. I have a pirate hat next to the ocean. Clearly on brand, my friend. <laughs> yes. Oh, love it. Um, so, so yeah, Brain Fog, how does it affect your, like, how do you deal um, when you realize these episodes uh, occur? Uh, some of the things I'll do is making sure I keep myself safe by not driving or operating anything. Like, I won't even mow the lawn on the lawn tractor. Yeah. And there have been days where I'm like, I really need to mow the lawn. I don't have the capacity to do this. I'm not going to, like, 
accidentally break the machine because I was just too stubborn. Mm-hmm. Um, I will make sure to have extra snuggles with my spouse. Mm-hmm. They they know like they've known me long enough that they're just like oh yeah no no this is gonna be fine. Uh, I still will talk with them about it though, being like yeah it's a total brain fog kind of day. I just need a little extra TLC. Okay. And some of the things I'll do is things that are comfort for me. What I used to do a bunch of until I started, <coughs> I would sit down and watch Doctor Who episodes. Well, that's always good. Right. Mm-hmm. That was that was one of those comfort things. I am almost every season until the last year, I would sit down and rewatch Doctor Who from ninth, which is Eccleson, up to date, and I would time it so that I would just finish watch a D- Doctor Who before the next episode, the newest episode would drop. Right, which is and nice. Just sort of do like a full view of all the Doctors from past uh, to almost present, and the the latest Doctor. Mm-hmm. So that's your go-to. That's your like, okay, I'm in this space. I just need this. This is going to help me kind of just feel better, so to speak. Yeah, that and snuggle with a cat. Sure. That always helps. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting. Tad knows when it's really bad, will curl up on me, and will not let me get off the couch. Yeah. Um, he, he's a good cat. Animals kind of do have that sort of feeling of like when something is wrong with us, they are in tune with it so that's really sweet yeah yeah he's a good one yeah he's a good boy okay so you've got some coping so, mechanisms there and then do you find that like it does it impact your relationship at all as far as you and your partner or your spouse it may have mm-hmm. in the past we've been to counseling like we've done couples counseling for because i mean we've been together since i was 16 years old yeah in that time, I'm going to have gone through several chapters of my life and have changed as a person. Same with my spouse. And just doing check-ins like that were really helpful. Yeah. And as a result, we became better together. So there may have been times at the beginning where it was a little rockier because mm. it was new. Of course. I injured myself back in 2009. This is not new anymore. And... I, I even, it's interesting. I check in with my spouse often being like, hey, are we okay? Uh-huh. Hey, is every, like, do you feel loved and appreciated? Because I want to ensure that you feel loved and appreciated. This is important to me because I love and appreciate you. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, all those wonderful sappy things. <laughs> because this person is important to me. And I want to make sure that they always feel loved. I want to make sure that they always feel appreciated because I love and appreciate them. Right. And one of the ones is just like, are we okay? Like, are we on the same page? How are things? And that can be one of the most important things, too. I mean, in any relationship at any time, right? Like, are we on the mm-hmm. same page? Um, but, you know, with his relationship stuff and finances and all this stuff, I mean, this is part of it, too. Like, learning how to navigate these areas of life with the person that you love is vital. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't necessarily marry the person that we are with 20-odd years later, you know, with you know, something happening, but that's kind of the price of admission, right? Like, or, or yeah. at least it should be if you're in a relationship with somebody who values the same thing in the relationship that you do. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that that's the, that's the case. Yeah. And things like, um, injuries can change that for sure, because 
you yourself are going through a traumatic phase in your life mm-hmm. and it's going to change part of who you are. That, oh, that's 100%. that's part and parcel of it. Not only does it change a part of who you are physically, but it does very much do that mentally as well. Like you're mm-hmm. you, there is a bit of a shift. I don't care how well you deal with it. It's just the na- like when you have some kind of traumatic event physically or you know a di- or a disease or an illness that you know changes that's gonna affect your overall personality as well mm-hmm. absolutely which sort of touches us on to the isolation part of the conversation which i know is going to be a longer piece it is, it is. And, a- and it's one that we both have lived through very much so yeah uh in different aspects for sure though still a shared experience in terms of of isolationism yeah if that's a word eh, close enough it's fine isolation is isolationism i like it it's i fine. think so yeah yeah it's fine we're good we're professionals we're, we know what we're doing just, you know. those of you listening <laughs> you understand us right <laughs> you know where we're going with it um but i want to make sure we cover um you know we cover uh brain fog so like mm-hmm. this week, what was your what was your biggest challenge like going through it? I know you said Thursday, but had anything led up to it, or it was just like, oh my god, here's this horrible bout of pain, and this is just where I'm at. Um, so the bout was on on Monday. I even canceled stream that day. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's another yeah, like having predetermined boundaries of what I can and can't do and then double checking that that is still valid for me that specific day so some days when I'm having brain fog I will still stream Mm -hmm. and I'll put in the title brain fog low spoons just to let people know that my normal really cheerful chaotic self Mm -hmm. is going to be slightly dimmed Right, yeah, a little, little bit, a little bit less. Um, just, since you mentioned, it's just gonna be a lower key. Yeah, it's just gonna be a little bit slower. And we're just gonna take the time. Uh, you you mentioned spoons. I know we literally just had a podcast about it last week, but you just, I I feel like when you mention spoons, I I hate to always <laughs> ask you like, hey, can you give us context? But only if you want to share very very briefly what that is. Otherwise, we'll just move on. And if you if you if those of you listening or don't already know, um, you can we'll provide the link um towards the end of the podcast where you can find the spoon theory information. Uh, so the spoon theory, uh, it's at butyoudontlooksick.com um, by Christine Misrandino. Yes, it sounds exactly right. Mm-hmm. Hey, I might have said something correctly. <laughs> uh, anyways, this wonderful individual came up with this theory of having certain amount of energy and translate it into spoons an individual who is not sick will have an ample number of spoons and energy to do all the things and continue going forward someone who either lives with chronic illness um, or with chronic pain um, as for christine they live with lupus those of us will have a limited amount of energy or a limited number of spoons and small tasks can take a lot of energy the like just opening your eyes and doing the check-in to see where you are now that you were awake Mm -hmm. will take energy 
and then everything else can take one to two to three spoons worth of energy. And that you were only given, say, 12 to 24 spoons in a day as arbitrary numbers that I'm throwing out there. Oh, that works, though. Right. The amount of hours that you might be either having a day or just active, you know, like. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's what we mean by spoons is that it's just that there's only so much energy an individual has to be able to do tasks during the day. And you have to really sit down and figure out, okay, is this thing worth my time? Exactly. Is this something I want to do or am I going to regret doing it? and suffer consequences later for having overdone a task and and how and like what's the risk versus reward in that situation is it worth what you'll inevitably deal with the next day or later that day or whatever and something like brain fog can immediately sap most of those spoons as you wake up or as it's it's settling in and it's a definite fog Mm mm-hmm Yeah, and um, Vi says I'm chronically low on spoons, uh, but very few in my real life uh, I care. Unfortunately, I'm sorry that is the case. That is really, really, that's a difficult one to negotiate. And that's having to set boundaries with other individuals, especially when you're either a low spoon or having brain fog that day or both. Right. So, so awful to have to negotiate, especially if it's something that is a constant. And I'm sorry that that is something that you do need to deal with. Know that I care about you. Uh, For those of you who are in the podcast, Vi is one of my mods, someone who I care about very, very much and is a lovely individual. Yes. I have a lot of you somehow in the community. (laughs) I have a lot of people in the community who are like that. I am really lucky. And Sid, I know I've said this before, but I love and adore you, friend. I love and adore you too, my friend. And I'm, and I'm again, honored to be able to do this with you. Oh yeah. And, and I think it's worth it. And I think it's important. It is right, a hundred percent. Yeah, and and let me bring let me bring this to a little bit of a plug. Speaking of which, because one of the things that L and D and I really gives us a tremendous amount of joy is the amount of feedback that we've gotten, um, mm-hmm. just so far in this in this journey. So, if you are either you know watching this on Twitch or you're listening on the podcast, please feel free to uh, reach out to us. You can contact either of us either on our Twitch channels or through discord if you have availability if you have that or on the podcast side if you want to email us you can at backpainpals at gmail.com and um you know i i check that every day and any feedback i get that might be directed towards lnd of course she'll see and you know obviously we'll you know we we really appreciate it so yeah absolutely we've had some amazing stories come in so far and i just brought tears to my eyes reading them mm-hmm. having other people being like my goodness i thought i was alone i thought it was just me i thought i was by myself in this struggle and to hear someone else say almost exactly what my story has been was revolutionary mm-hmm. and heartbreaking and that's what sometimes pain does it causes isolation yes it causes you 
to withdraw from the world, withdraw from those you love, withdraw from your friends, your family, even yourself. Mm-hmm. Thank you for adding that last part because that last part is vital. Mm-hmm. It also brings us to the second part of our stream of what we were going to talk about today, which is chronic pain and isolation. Yeah. So thanks for everybody for joining. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh-uh friend uh-uh ah, i did a beautiful it. unplanned segue we're you not doing that did you did a wonderful segue god that was great wasn't it it was it... i don't do stuff like that well i am literally giving myself a pat you on the nailed back it. i'm kind of proud i, love I it. did <laughs> nail it hard total well anyways anyway um so yeah so isolation <laughs> god damn it i'll just go past this <laughs> Cut this out of the podcast. No one will hear it. It's only for the live audience. I'm kidding. Oh gosh. Isolation. Um Okay. So yes, this is my part of today's topic, but this is very much going to include both of us. Um, obviously. No, of course we'll leave it in. Um, <laughs> we'll leave it in. One of our, one of our Twitch listeners. Us being ridiculous is kind of part and parcel of this entire stream. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So yeah, so what we're going to do is um, walk through this isolation thing. So I, I guess I'll kick us off by painting some, painting a picture of my past and, and sort of my current state. And we'll walk through any questions that come up or whatever. Um, so currently I'm dealing with recovering from a recent surgery. I had a spinal fusion at the L4, L5 level um, a little over a month ago, about six weeks ago. And the the injury was not an injury. It was an onset of a long-term um, situation with my spine, which anybody who has a spine that has any injuries will know once you injure it, the likelihood of re-injury to the same area or injury further to other areas of the spine, uh, increases dramatically. And which was the case. Which, hmm? Yeah. Which is the case for both of us. Absolutely. Yeah. This is my third spinal surgery, my second fusion. Um, I imagine it will not be my last, unfortunately. Um, so my f- first journey through this whole isolation thing um brings me back to when i initially got my first um i guess bout with dealing with with chronic pain i I guess it's the beginning of the journey really um so when i first had my issue you know i had a lot of support a lot of family um was there and then over time as things sort of just became life as these things do um, because it wasn't getting better and I was becoming more and more heavily dependent upon uh, using opiate medication as is the case with so many people we've all heard it we're all sick of hearing it it's so cliche at this point Um, but it is no less true so I I started to go down that rabbit hole of both dealing with chronic pain and addiction um, because I always kind of struggled with addiction throughout my life, but this was sort of the tipping point for me. So the isolation was not only caused by, um, the addiction later, but at first it was the actual pain itself because 
it's a twofold thing I found, and I know this probably is the case for L and D, um, speaking of speaking for each other, because it's a combination of like, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to be near you. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to hang out anywhere near anyone, but also, and, and this kind of touches on, we, we talked about it a little bit when we had our very first podcast during the bullying and ableism discussion where people kind of get sick and tired of dealing with us. Oh, I can't do X. You can't really, you can't show up. Why? Yeah. You, you, I mean, you can't just show yeah. up for a couple of hours. Like, no, I really can't. But you just canceled last week. I, I understand, but this is just where, where I'm at. Well, I'm not going to bother inviting you anymore. It's stuff like that. So, like, mm-hmm. self-imposed isolation as well as external. Now, thankfully for me, and I hope for L&D and maybe others, the external isolation is much less common. I, I would hate the idea of... But I know it's true probably for some... Uh, for some people to have to be that isolated by that many people who would just reject you know being with somebody you know um socializing with somebody who's dealing with that level of chronic pain whether it's an actual physical ailment um like an injury or something like a lupus or chronic fatigue where you have to you know you're just kind of that's just it you're just stuck with that um Mm. so so for me I isolated from everything and everybody. I I hated, I hated life. I hated myself. I I hated, just I just felt nothing but hate. I guess that's the best way I could put it. I didn't want you near me. I didn't want. If you told me you loved me, I just I was disgusted by it because, especially with my with my wife, um. I would go out of my way to to be mean to keep her away from me mm-hmm. and yeah. it wasn't I mean thankfully like after I sort of emerged from this place and we went through quite a bit of you know therapy we worked through I mean all of this stuff um, but it made the isolation no less you know, for the time that it was, and it was a long time. It's the best way I can describe it. It's like, it's a darkness so dark that light can't penetrate it. Like you just simply don't want to be. And for me, I I was too trigger warning. I was too much of a coward to die and too much of a coward to live. Is, is where I was. Yeah. And it was a combination of the chronic pain because I just, I didn't see a way out of it. It was constant. It was all consuming. It was everything. And it just. Sorry. Side note. Mm-hmm. I, I might lose power and I might disappear. Oh dear. Continue on. <laughs> well, if that's the case, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do a part two <laughs> of this. If that, if that happens. Yeah. 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 The, the power is just flickering right now. Cause we've got a bad storm. Oh, okay. I didn't mean to cut you off. It's just, I also didn't want to all of a sudden disappear. No, no, no. I, <laughs> I appreciate yeah. it. Um, so. <sighs> all right. Well, let's, let's pause on my thing for a moment. And I want to talk to you or at least let you kind of talk about how you've isolated and how isolation has treated you and then we'll get into born the other side of things uh, one of the things with my isolation was fear avoidance that i 
even to this day will struggle with that also ties in with my anxiety whenever I'm having really bad bouts of anxiety I don't want to be around people and I don't want to leave my house I have a very difficult time leaving my comfort space now part of that is often when I go to visit other people they don't necessarily have say seating arrangements that are comfortable for my back needs mm. and so by going to visit people I know it's going to hurt because they're they're their chairs do not work for my needs and it is important for me to see these people but it is also important for me to have a boundary of being like okay I can only see you for a little while but then it's also like I have to drive an hour just to go visit you because Canada is really big and I live in the middle of the country mm -hmm. hence the uh, power flickering during a, a thunderstorm <laughs> Uh, and then like it just it compounds on itself and then I become more anxious, which then internalizes and becomes I become tighter. My muscles start to contract. Mm -hmm. It starts to get more painful. I become more anxious. My muscles start to contract. I begin to be experiencing more pain. Sometimes it will trigger the fog and then just like the entire day is a write off. Right. Because you and it can spiral mm -hmm. out of control so fast. As it often does, right? Like, yeah. Well, not often. I mean, it, I guess it depends on where you it are can. in your journey. And that's part and parcel of the fight and flight response as well, right? Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to feel misunderstood. I don't want to have to do the placating, oh, well, if you just try this, maybe you'll feel better kind of conversations with people. <laughs> I don't want to have to experience the enormous fatigue of having traveled to go visit someone. Mm-hmm. Or like, even if like, I can't drive that day because I'm in a lot of pain or if, if I'm having brain fog, I, I can't necessarily go out, not just because it's a pandemic right now, but like for financial reasons, I can't necessarily just go out to a restaurant. Right. I have a very low fixed income mm -hmm. and going out to eat or going out to coffee shops aren't necessarily a thing that are available to me for extra funds. And even just being able to keep up with people being like, oh, my goodness, you've already had your second baby. I haven't seen you since before you had your first, oh like God. as you were pregnant kind of thing. Yeah. And then like that big, huge separation and the guilt around it mm -hmm. brings to like breakdowns of relationships, breakdowns with friendships. There are some people that I keep in contact that I've known since grade school and high school through my chronic pain and and the isolation and stuff, I have lost contact with a lot of those individuals. Yep. And we have grown apart um, more so since this pandemic has started as well. That's that's a whole other complete topic. Right. But that, there are a lot of breakdowns in relationships with family members, with friends, with my spouse. Like I said earlier, like we had to sit down. We had to have couples counseling. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, which is important for, I mean, most anybody, but I mean, especially the situation mm -hmm. as well. With my primary uh, caregiver, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I wouldn't be able to function as well as I do if I didn't have my spouse. Right. Well, insane. And that, like, <laughs> that's a huge guilt to sort of put on another person mm -hmm. as well. And I feel terrible for that. And I, it's one of the reasons why I'm constantly checking in because it's, it's this triggering of the I'm not worthy to take up their energy yeah. for this. Which is, again, <laughs> another topic. But but it's a natural it, it feeling, is, though. I mean, because very much so. who the hell ever wants to be a burden on anyone? Yeah. I mean, really? Yeah. And, and mm -hmm. yes, 
there are so many stigmas around it too, right? Where people will be like, oh, well, why don't you just leave your house? Right. Why don't you just go out to this thing? I mean, yeah, like if it were that simple and, and, and again, this brings us to a conversation because I know sometimes this is where people's minds go. Sometimes things are that simple, rarely, but it can happen. Mm-hmm. But in the end, you have to just listen to the person. Like, here's the thing. It, it's twofold. Either what you're saying is true and the person's not ready to hear it. So saying it's them doesn't matter. Or what you're saying is complete crap and you should listen to the person telling you what it is that they're telling you, either their boundaries or uh, whatever, and just be okay with that instead of maybe imposing your own sort of, yeah, you should just dust yourself off and move on kind of yeah, thinking. bootstraps. Exactly. Whatever. Yeah. I, I think that entire concept has probably lost the meaning that it originally had. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, as, as many things do, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's definite stigma around people who have chronic pain and who are isolating. But I mean, it's for me, I just, I don't know. I guess for part of it is just... It was twofold again. I mm-hmm. I was miserable. I couldn't do anything about it. Nobody could do anything about it. I didn't want to hear anybody say, oh, I'm so sorry. It's like, take your best intentions and forgive me, but fuck off. I'm not interested because I appreciate that, you, that you're, you know, you're doing this in a loving way. I just, I don't care. I don't want any of it. I just want to live in this misery because I have no choice and just be live in my little miserable I'm in pain dragon cave <laughs> not let anybody in <laughs> I like that visual representation I mean yeah because it kind of is like you're just grumpy and breathing fire at everybody yeah yeah but yeah and and it's fatiguing it's ex- yes it's exhausting it's so absolutely exhausting, exhausting. It, so that brings me to this time around because this time around, it was different. Um, kind of. You know, when this whole thing started recently, I had... My wife and I have a wonderful relationship. We've had... We, we've always had a great relationship. I mean, we've been together for 18 years. Um, we obviously, like any other relationship, had many bumps in the road. But, um, you know, our communication, I think, has always been really good. And line, hmm? line, line. Yes, exactly. When we're screaming line. across the house, all of our nonsense. And trust, trust me. Oh, it's just endless TV show quotes and just random crap. And that just makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were faced with this horrible thing again, and we knew we would be right. Like we knew it was a ticking time bomb. My back, mm-hmm. like whether it would happen tomorrow or in 10 years from tomorrow, it was going to happen and it happened. And very quickly, I had all of you crazy people um, reaching out. Wonderful. I mean, yes, you're saying that word wrong. Wonderful, wonderful people, people. Thank you very much. Wonderful, amazing, loving people reach out to me. And I'm not going to lie at first. Honestly, for a while, I really wanted nothing to do with it. Because to me, it was just... 
let me know if you feel this and mm-hmm. if it makes any sense to you. Mm-hmm. You were injured. I was injured years before and these things happened to us. Do you ever get the feeling, because I know I do, that in some way when you're like this, when you have either a long-term bout of something or even in the moment, that you feel in some way like this is your fault and you deserve 100%. This. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's something I discuss um, both with my counselor and having to work through that, being that I'm not good enough and I'm being punished. Right. For being a bad person. I am being given what I deserve because I am not good enough. This is why I have this pain. And we try a lot of the times to be like, this is happening for this reason. That doesn't mean it's correct. I am not being punished and have chronic pain as a result. I am not a bad person and I don't have chronic pain as a result. Right. They they are not synonymous with each other, and they are not connected in any way, any way, shape, or form. Yet it and still somehow doesn't diminish the feeling that you have. No, no. I don't know why. It just it's yeah. Doesn't. It's it's a tricky mind jump. Um, when I was fairly new to my injury, however, it was past the point where it was going to be chronic, and I had like gotten better got worse got better got worse got better got worse and it was while i was on one of my short-term disability bouts i started going to the general hospital in town they had a two-week program for adults who live with chronic pain and how to like work with it and we had i had a bunch of peers i was the youngest one Mm. by 20 plus years in some cases oh wow just the fact that my age, because I injured myself in my 20s, just because my age also gives me an extra little bit of isolation. Because I'm young, I shouldn't be in chronic pain. And there's a belittling oh of it because of my age, because of my age and mm-hmm. ageism and ableism and all of that comes into part and parcel of it, which then again makes me feel more isolated because I couldn't necessarily connect with these individuals who were older than me living with chronic pain one day i talked about what my pain was like because a lot of the time i'm fairly bright cheerful chaotic loud mm-hmm. that you that are is, yes uh, that yes sir <laughs> excuse me sir <laughs> excuse me uh, and being able to laugh is something that i've never lost and i've been told my laugh is infectious yes Anyways, I I sat down and I talked about what it was like for me one day to have pain and just like full on raw, how awful, isolating, painful, and just again, tapping into the like, I felt like I deserved this because I was a bad person kind of thing. I made one of my classmates ball their eyes. Mm hmm. Because I was saying their story. This person was 45 years older than me. Let's just say, give or take Mm -hmm. a couple of years. And like completely different stories. I made this person bawl their eyes out. And he just could not help himself because I was saying his story. And he hadn't taken me seriously all that week. 
And because of me sharing, me being vulnerable, talking about what my pain was like and how isolated I felt, I was able to reach that person. Which is amazing. It's also one of the reasons why I'm so glad we do this. Yes. We sometimes need to hear it from someone else. A learned, shared experience. I call it physical knowledge versus topical knowledge that like, you can read in a book mm-hmm. or like see other people live. Topical knowledge. When you've been through something, I call that physical knowledge. Yeah, Exper- experiential. I So I always go yeah. back to um, some, some of the stuff that was shared in, in 12-step uh, with me, which is two things. Um, and I love these. We do together what we can't do alone, right? Mm-hmm. So, which is very much the case with us, like, we can't go through this journey of like living with chronic pain alone. And clearly like we feel that we need to bring people along with us because there's endless amounts of support groups out there and different people talking about different things that affect different people. And why the hell can't we be another, you know, light out there for people to be drawn to who also deal with the same stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the other quote, which I actually love more than anything is the therapeutic value of one addict helping another is without parallel. Mm-hmm. Apply that Absolutely. same logic to, you know, the therapeutic value of one person suffering from chronic pain to another is without. So in other words, like you, I would never talk to somebody who lost a a, 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 a child or something like that. Something awful. I would never have yeah, that conversation. Both of us who, who never had have kids. never had children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I can only topically understand what that's like. Um, I mean, I've had a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't know I was pregnant, and I've had a miscarriage before. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, I didn't want children, and my spouse didn't want children either. So, like, it is not the the same shared experience whatsoever. Right. So we, so we have that, and that's that's what to me is so vital with these conversations you want to hear from people who know your experience or at least know part of it enough of it where you can sit there and say thank god somebody gets it jesus fuck i hate describing this to people who don't my my wife is overwhelmingly compassionate and tries so hard but when i describe certain things the vacant look of, uh-huh. <laughs> like, God yeah. damn it, why can't you just understand? Yeah. But I'm glad she doesn't have yeah. to understand, too. That's the other part. Like, thank mm-hmm. God they don't have to yes. get it. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would never want anyone to have to experience what either of I, other either of us have. Yeah. So, you want to rotate back to addiction, then? I think... Because we we covered a lot with the isolation, and I, I want to, I want to check in with you with that. Shall we proceed? And if we if we do, then I'll, I'll kind of go, and then you, if you want to share. I don't know exactly what you're asking. Well, as far I'm as sorry, the, the part of the story you wanted to share today. Oh. Oh, but in order for that um, to make sense, I wanted to go back to addiction. And if it doesn't make sense to have the conversation, say we don't have to. Right. We can, because I mean, we have talked about um, um, on your side of the uh, of someone who lived with addiction being the person who themselves had it. So, um, what Sid is mentioning, we had obviously we talk offline. 
before we have these conversations and sometimes we're just like oh this might come up in topic today so one of the ones that we were talking about I lived with someone my uncle was someone who lived with addiction and I grew up having it shielded from me most of the time so I didn't know that this person not only lived with drug addiction was also often high around me right and I had absolutely no idea whatsoever and one of the things unfortunately that occurred it was that my my um the adult in my life the male adult in my life who was supposed to be there for me who was there to take care of me had seen me making out with my now spouse and wanted some for themselves and tried to sleep with me as their niece which is not okay so um like i like we were saying trigger warnings for sure and um if you need to just take a moment i understand we will i i have a little message for those of you in the podcast i'm sorry but you're not going to see that portion of it um i will put a little done just letting you know that that specific portion of the conversation is is over with now what's interesting people who have childhood traumas and i this is not this is one of many but individuals who have childhood trauma will often grow up with living with chronic pain mm-hmm. and that also causes a lot of different isolations you end along with uh cognitive issues because sometimes you don't want to remember what occurred right and your brain will literally fog that over and sometimes those experiences will also make you feel more isolated or like for myself, I felt dirty for a while. I was having two to three showers in a day because I could not get the filth off my body. God. It was so isolating. I was a teenager. I didn't have a license to drive. I wasn't old enough to drink. I wasn't old enough to vote, but I was having to deal with this. Yeah. And that type of isolation was awful. Yeah, absolutely awful. Not only that, uh, my story was told by someone I trusted to the rest of my family members without my knowledge, without my consent. And the one thing, once it came back to my guardians, the one thing I had asked for was that I don't want to have to live with this person anymore. Because after it happened, I was still living with them. They lived in our house. And I had to see them every single day after that fact. And my one thing I had asked was that I don't want to have to live with them anymore. And I didn't get that. And I had to see them every single day. And pretend that it was okay. I had to internalize that. And that was incredibly isolating. That caused a lot of issues with me being able to have cognitive abilities at school. And caused a lot of fog in that regard. On top of a cult, or of course, living with ADHD that was un- not diagnosed and stuff like that. So like a slew of stuff. These are things I've, I've sat down and talked with my counselor. And I know that not everyone has the capacity to either A, have the funds to, to have a counselor. Or B, have found the right counselor. Because that's also mm. important. Oh I've God. had counselors who are... <laughs> who are homophobic 
And I say that laughing because it's ridiculous. I have had. You can't see me, but my eyes are literally out of my head right now. (laughs) And so, the group that I'm with right now, I actually interviewed them instead of being Mm -hmm. like, "I'm going to come here as a patient." No, 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 no. My first meeting, I was interviewing you to see if you were going to be the right person for me for counseling. Good for you. But again, that takes a lot of energy. You have to be on point that day. If you have brain ba- uh, uh, pain, brain fog, that makes it so much more difficult. It does. And can I also mention something, too, that I think we kind of touched on, and, and I'm not saying anything. I know we do this sort of um, obligatory, we're not medical professionals. Et- oh, et yeah. Cetera, et cetera. <laughs> nope. By any stretch of the imagination, this is just our own experiences, and we're sharing our thoughts and feelings on those experiences as it relates to chronic pain, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um... There is, with with trauma, you become more susceptible to living with chronic pain. Mm-hmm. It's just Very much it's so. just true. Or making when you do eventually when you do have to deal with it, uh, it worse because you know it's a stress disorder. I mean, hence the post traumatic stress disorder. Like, I mean, it's it's you know it, it yeah. it's not simply just a mental thing. It does impact you physically as we talked about in the beginning i mean in so many ways so many ways very trauma much so. impacts you mm-hmm. and ptsd and chronic pain is uh, a topic that we are going to be talking about in the future we're going to be doing a little bit of research yeah. ahead of time just to make sure that it because ptsd is so sensitive and it's very unique per person as well and it's also something it, that we want it's also language i apologize for cutting you off it, mm-hmm. it's Using PTSD, I, w- I really want to make sure that we use these words properly because it, it yeah. is a term that it's used a lot. And it's honestly, it, it's kind of, I think it's used too much. I don't know that everything that is characterized because I'm not a clinician. I don't know. This is why I want to talk to somebody and, you know, get some, some thoughts is we don't really know, like, um, is everything after something traumatic considered post-traumatic stress disorder or is there some kind of spectrum of trauma you know a trauma disorder or whatever that's Mm -hmm. i would like to get some clarification on that as well yeah where most of the topics that we've talked about previously we have what i was saying earlier physical knowledge of Mm -hmm. Uh, ptsd is one that i'm more aware of i don't think i have ptsd but again like i've never actually like asked my counselor flat out do i have ptsd Mm -hmm. from my chronic pain (laughs) maybe that's something i should explore if i do right i've been and it Mm -hmm. has such a physical response and it that physical response is different from person to person to person which is why it's so individualized so because it's so complicated we want to make sure that we do our due diligence first yes of course of course. And you were about to say, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Oh, it's okay. I forgot what it was. <laughs> Talk about... Uh, do, do, we have yep, ADHD. Yep. Surprise! Surprise! It's okay. It'll come back to me. <laughs> um, oh, damn it. I forgot what it was. I wish I remember now. Uh, well, we've got Kissy Kitten. PTSD has such a physical response that people do not understand. And it's something that is often um, on... A- acknowledged for unacknowledged for people who have seen combat yeah specifically and Mm -hmm. not everyone's ptsd is the same the word is Um, trauma it's not combat related trauma it's it's trauma precisely Mm -hmm. 
Um, there was an interesting case that's actually going on in Canada uh, where an individual was in a court case. Um, the uh, subject was an individual had been murdered. And one of the things that they had to go through was all the evidence. This is including seeing the person who had been murdered. After the court case, they experienced PTSD from seeing what trauma happened to this mm. individual who had died. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you talk about, you know, things with, in like involving that. Yeah, of course it would trigger. I mean, I had I showed up for jury duty a few, uh, I think it was like 2018. And um, some folks, whether they were lying or not, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't matter. Um, definitely uh, opted out because of their personal traumas, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's a very valid thing. I mean, if you have somebody you know who has experienced a violent crime shouldn't probably be on a jury you know yeah you know, you know in that situation so because it can be triggering mm -hmm. right very much so yeah 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 uh and just so many misunderstandings with that as well and that's the same for like all the things we've sort of touched on um whether it's been ableism whether it's been bullying um, isolation, uh, chronic pain, and uh, spoon theory that we've talked about. There is so much misinformation. There's so many people who are misunderstood and just not heard. Absolutely. So much. Um, so, so I guess with the opposite side of isolation, so we talked about the, the, all the, or as many of the crappy parts of it, um, how with you have you dealt with your isolation in the past and how do you do it in the present? I think because I, I, I think I guess what I want is to, to, to point out the constructive things that can be done to deal with that or that we've dealt with, you know, that we've you like um, utilized. Mm -hmm. um, ways I used to deal with it was definitely avoidance. Mm -hmm. So the fear avoidance, uh, I wouldn't leave my house. I wouldn't go to functions. I wouldn't visit people. I, um, <laughs> back when I first had a cell phone, I used to do the, hi, I'm just sending you some sunshine kind of message, which was a closed message. You didn't have to answer me back. And it was just sending some sunshine out to that person because I had made it through to the other side of the isolationism and making sure that I reached out to people that I cared about to let them know that I'm still thinking about them, that I still care. And even if I can't be there all the time, they are still important to me and I still think of them. Mm -hmm. And doing that helped to keep avenues open for me in terms of communication with people who have been more important to me in different chapters of my life. Instead of just the chapter being completely closed, it's a... We acknowledge that we're in different spaces now. We still think of each other once in a while. Which is wonderful. It really is. And it's that kind of thing. I mean, I'm impressed, honestly, that you were even able to do that, especially ages ago when you first started dealing with it. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think back then, I mean, isolationism was my way of life. It was, I was alone. Yeah. Completely. And I made sure of it too. Oh boy, did I make sure of it. Um, yeah, the lashing out. 
to also prove to yourself that you deserve this because this person has now left you because you've said all these awful things. Yeah. Yeah. I, without a doubt, was, I was a stone's throw from being homeless. Not without exaggeration, because I had pushed everybody away in my life and it was it was either go there or 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 go to recovery and i thankfully i chose the latter um but that's how that's just how rotten and miserable it made me because you just get re- i would just get resentful at the things i was missing out on the things i couldn't do you know and i get i get sick of the well-intentioned people in my life mm-hmm. who wanted nothing more than to you know, it's love and care, and I wanted absolutely nothing to do with any of it. Well, even just listening to them could be fatiguing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, this conversation again. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're going to talk about because I've heard this from so many other people. I don't want to have to listen to it again. I don't want to have to grin and bear this. And it's a very much a breaking down of the relationship, even though the individual really means well. Of course. But all I can think in my head is, will you shut up because Mm -hmm. that's all because again it's just i don't know i I mean i think i think we've gotten i've gotten better with that this time around for me was was still difficult but i was in no way near the headspace i was back then and i had a much healthier outlook i mean granted i still withdrew um you know i i had folks like yourself and my friend Peggy and Everset and Kissika and other folks in our community. I mean, trust me, I'm only naming just a few. There were so many people that reached out and still reach out. And it was hard to not isolate. And there were moments where I definitely did because I was scared. I was terrified yeah. that this was it. Like I was going to be like this for who knows how much longer. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, my job is in jeopardy and my home and all these things. And I'm like, great. I am now a failure again. Cool. I, this is really exciting for me. I, I have failed in life when really it was just facing an obstacle. I mean, if, if, if I were presented with the facts back then with how things look now, I would say, okay, that doesn't seem that bad. You know, a month and a half, two months of just kind of waiting for this thing to happen and the result that it's, you know, given me. Very, very fortunate. But that fear that you talk about so much is is all, it's just all encompassing. I was afraid mm-hmm. from everything. I was afraid for myself. I was afraid for my, my wife and my family because, I mean, you know, I have a small family. My brother and his family basically is all we have, but they were so very much ready. Like, we're here. We'll help in any way, shape, or form. And I'm like, I don't, I will try very much to be receptive to this. And I think I was fairly successful this time around without, with not pushing people away. Yeah. But it was work. It It, it, it is always work. Absolutely. It drew on all of the crap I had learned over the years to to try to make me not do that and to make me you know keep honest with myself and the people that i love 
Yeah, absolutely. I remember um, when I first started needing to use a cane to walk with, Mm -hmm. I refused to see anyone when I was having those days because I was so embarrassed. Oh. I was so embarrassed. I would push people away because I didn't want people to see me being weak. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you're not allowed to show weakness, damn it. Weaknesses is for the weak. You're not weak. That's gross. And you can't be vulnerable. Yeah. And all of the fear around it. Mm -hmm. Like, it just... Oh. It was all... I... I, What was it? There was... um, We had gone back to... My spouse and I had gone back to where we had our honeymoon for our five-year anniversary. And there are pictures with... Of me... Where you wouldn't know I had a cane because I hid it behind my body. I was cane bound that entire weekend. And I made sure that the photos that you would see were cultivated in such a way that you wouldn't know that I was in pain, that I was suffering, and that I needed a cane to be able to walk. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like it's a big deal. I mean, if I were just like, yeah, bring your cane. What are you talking about? Of course, bring your cane. Like, you need it. It's so obvious Mm -hmm. to anyone else but yourself. Where now I make sure to have a travel cane with Mm -hmm. me in my car at all times. The last time I had to wear a back brace and use a walker. Yeah. As a a 30-year-old, you know how absolutely, like demoralizing it was and embarrassing to to use that cane and back brace i mean not cane i'm sorry um the walker walker yeah well not an 80 year old man i'm I'm a young man i mean come on this is ridiculous do you know what i did this time around what did you do this time around? i used that damn walker and back brace every freaking chance i had because my my lack of desire to be in more pain outweighed my ego this time around makes a difference it does it does and i think like ultimately and i think you might you might agree with with conversations like this and the ones that we're going to continue to have you know neither of us are in any stretch of the imagination perfect nor claiming to be but i know that you know we I, i think the thing that we value the most is with with each other in this is the fact that you know this is something that we both deal with individually but we've also i think i know for myself i can consider myself a success story for what i have dealt with and i think without you saying it i can probably say the same for you as well because Mm -hmm. you are able to cope with life and deal with it i mean it it does suck and it is a excuse the phrasing for anybody listening who might be offended but a bullshit flavored cupcake with bullshit flavored cupcake toppings um but you also know how to sort of cope with it in as healthy a way as possible and i think that's what we're trying to convey here is like yeah these are all things that we deal with with chronic pain but you know what we're trying to do better and trying to take personal inventory and and be honest about what it is that we're dealing with and um how to live our lives in this way yeah and this sort of like idea of being perfect and perfection, I think, is just an unreasonable expectation that we put on ourselves. 
Like it's not it's not even a feasible one because oh. perfection will change from day to day as well, depending on what your outcome and your view is that day. Right, because it's always objective. There is no one. There's no one definition of perfect. It's always no. <coughs> excuse me, subject to the person saying you know using the word. Give me being someone being scared and vulnerable any day over perfection. Absolutely. And that actually sort of ties in what I was saying earlier about me hiding my cane in photos. Mm -hmm. Where, like, if you saw those pictures, if you had spent any time talking with me and you couldn't see me at that moment, there was no way you would have seen me being in pain. There was no way you would have seen that I was walking with a cane. Right. And just trying to make sure that I was showing that type of perfection that like my life is grand. I'm having my five year wedding anniversary in the city that I had my honeymoon in and everything is wonderful. Yes. <laughs> Which is nice. Um, Oh, this is what I wanted to mention too. I wanted to go circle back. Hey, hello, ADHD. Yay. We're going to just keep doing that every time. Um, yep. as, as like a disclaimer. Um, with regard to PTSD, I, I have been clinically treated for it twice for two separate things in my life, right. neither of which to do with chronic pain. Um, so when we do have the conversation, I would like to also talk about, again, not the not the, the clinical piece of it, but my experience with what that um, what that, I guess, modality did for me, which mm -hmm. uh, was EMDR. Uh, can you explain what EMDR is? It's, um, David, I forget what the acronym stands for. Somebody in chat, I'm sure we'll throw it in there. Essentially what it does is it, they figured out how to deal with trauma, um, with EMDR visually or with auditory. And essentially when you're working with your therapist to go through this EMDR, you, you, you're telling these stories so you do sort of have to re relive it in a way, but unlike the previous um, version of EM, thank you. Yes, eye movement. Uh, yep, there it is twice. <laughs> eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Um, so what they used to do with it, they would have the person sort of reimmerse themselves over and over and over, and the idea was to sort of um, desensitize you to it. What they were finding was it was re-traumatizing people to have to always, you know, be in that immersion um, uh, therapy, so to speak, and then relive that over and over. What they found was, um, and I think there was another term for it ages ago called biofeedback, and mm. they found that with these lights they used, or in some cases, there's an auditory thing where it pans from channel to channel so from ear to ear during this process and it forgive me it, it helps to rewire how your brain processes that information to be less traumatic over time yeah, so for absolutely. me um my first time dealing with post-traumatic stress was after my experiences um at the world trade center um after after it was it was not during it was at, it was during the search and rescue afterwards um i did not do emdr then 
Uh, it was more just the immersion stuff, but the EMDR came later after my father's um, suicide. Right. I was able to work through that better then than I was the first. And, and the latter was, I mean, in a lot of ways, more traumatizing for me. Um, so that's why I think it's so vital to have this conversation because my wife said to me about a month ago, um, did you ever think to get treated for PTSD with regard to your pain? And I know this isn't the conversation for today. We're probably getting a little off road. That's okay. We're not going to do the conversation now. Um, but I had never thought of it. She's like, the way you talk about it, it just sounds so traumatizing. And I was, I never made the connection. So mm -hmm. that's what all this research is, you know, that, uh, that L&D and myself are going to do before we have this conversation for real some weeks from now, whenever that is. Near future. Yeah. Then. The near future. So yeah, I've never had um, EMDR. I've had what's known as a cognitive behavioral therapy or a CBD. Mm -hmm. CBT. Yep. CBT. Ta, ta, ta. I can say words. <laughs> uh, so cognitive behavioral therapy is what I've been going through uh, myself for my counseling. Yeah. And CBT and is great. It is. Highly recommend. And it's also a rewiring um, of your brain pathways. Mm -hmm. um, just the same. A lot of the... Um, a lot of issues that some people have, um, especially when it comes to like uh, chronic pain, your body has been overloaded with constant, this is pain, this is pain, this is pain, mm -hmm. that normal things that would be like, oh, someone's just touching my arm, instead translate, this is pain. Right. Because all of them have been overloaded with this constant, ow, ow, ow. Ow, 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 ow. It, over, it overloads your circuit, basically. And having to reprogram your pathways and your nerves and all that, and all that to being like, this isn't pain. This is just a sensation. And I right. am okay. Well, that's hard, too, is knowing it's, the difference sometimes. Mm -hmm. Especially if it's in the same spot as where pain would normally be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, it's uh it's how I know. Um, so I was misdiagnosed uh with something because of my back pain, which didn't fit any of my other symptoms, and the doctor mm -hmm. who had diagnosed me had used something that doesn't isn't used for this diagnosis anymore. Right. And uh, I was misdiagnosed with having fibromyalgia. Oh, okay. With my doctor just touching my trigger points on my back. Being like, oh, you have fibro. When really, I am an individual who lives with a spinal injury. Mm -hmm. So, of course, the trigger points on my back are going to be sore. That's weird. Because I have a spinal injury. I, and it's no, radiating because I am getting older. You're not a doctor. You're ridiculous. You don't know what you're talking about. Uh, talk. So uh, I'm very lucky. I also get nerve blocking injections. I'm not lucky because, well, I am, but I'm not because I get <laughs> nerve blocking. <laughs> it's, it's a twofold kind of Yay thing. Yay me. Um, I, have found, I have found something that works for me. So I've yeah. done many different things. I used to, if people be like, well, have you tried this? I used to tell people what some of the things I have tried. And sometimes I would do it in alphabetical order just to watch their eyes glaze over. 
<laughs> Being like, oh, oh, you want to have this wanna conversation? Have, I was just going to say, I have, have had this, this conversation? conversation so many times, I can do it in alphabetical order. And again, we're not, please understand, because I, I was pulled aside <laughs> the last time we had this conversation, and and it was brought to my attention that perhaps it's a little insensitive to the folks who are trying have to understand from the perspective of somebody going through something, perhaps if you have a suggestion to keep it to yourself until called upon. Yes. It's not a disrespectful thing. I understand it all comes from the nicest intentions of the world. However, yeah, you, you know, we may have already been down that road 800 times and mm-hmm. tread, you know, so let's save that part of the conversation. Yeah, because uh, what that also says is that the individual who is living this experience, A, wants to be there. Right. B, is not smart enough to, to try different avenues. Right. And it's incredibly belittling. Yeah. Where you may be trying to just, like, solve a problem that you see and that you think you're helping. It can really be triggering. It can break down the relationship you have with that individual and you can mm-hmm. make them feel more isolated as a result because clearly you don't understand what they're going through and you're just trying to put your view of it onto them and it doesn't fit. And resentment builds on both sides because absolutely you're the a-hole who like won't listen to reason or won't be bothered to, I'm just trying to come, it's coming from a nice place, why are you, and also from your yeah. side where it's like, well... You know, you're just like everybody else who clearly seems they have the answer and just can't understand that this is where I'm at and I know what I'm dealing with here. Yeah. So that's it. So I've gone through like acupuncture. I've gone through Cairo. I've gone through massage therapy, physiotherapy. I've done water aerobics as a way to try and like start building up muscle again. All of which are great, but (laughs) not going to even scratch the surface of dealing with level of chronic pain that you probably deal with Mm -hmm. um i have done narcotics which because of my uncle that i lived with i was terrified Mm -hmm. of becoming dependent and becoming an addict i have addicts in my family i have alcoholics in my family and it is one of those things i'm like i want to get off this medication as quickly as possible i need to find something else God, I yes. need to find something else. I, and I, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so it it was I would sit and look at the medication bottle in my hand being like, is my pain so bad that I need this? Well And many times yeah. I suffered more than I needed to mm-hmm. because of the because I wouldn't take the pain medication. But people who don't navigate that minefield don't get it either. No. No. And yes, exactly. The gay face It All of those things can be incredibly <laughs> exhausting. R. I'm going to just say R. Yes. <laughs> R. Yeah. R. R. Exhausting. Since yes, exactly. you're in a pirate outfit. I am outfit. a pirate outfit. Yes. For those who are not <laughs> watching on Twitch, my character is dressed like a pirate. And um, I stand by that decision. <laughs> um, what is a pirate's favorite letter in the alphabet? What is what is a pirate's favorite letter in the alphabet? L and D. Um, normally, people would say R, but the answer is nay. Tis be the C. Thanks for coming in, folks. We'll uh, <laughs> talk to you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> God. <laughs> 
Did I mention I like puns? I'm pretty sure somewhere at some point I've mentioned that I like puns. I'll send you to jokes. the penitentiary. Hey. Is that, is that a promise? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Well, it's off the rails, uh, folks. Yes, it's totally off the rails. But I think I think we've done a really good job with uh, brain fog and isolation, though, and along with ta- touching on a few other subjects that we've talked about previously and ones that we want to do going forward. Absolutely. As we've said before, again, um, chronic pain related to PTSD uh, or causing specifically PTSD uh, or some kind of trauma is definitely something we're going to touch on. Um, I know there's somebody eager to help us research and we've, we're doing our own research. So we will do, we will come armed with as best as information as we can uh, have when we have this discussion, because it's important to be prepared, I suppose, for, for these types. Um, I know, again, we're, we want to really talk about, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Caregiving. Uh, caregivers. Yeah. Yes. And uh, the burden that they deal with and the interpersonal relationships and kind of navigating that. Yeah. And I think these, like we've mentioned before, these are all really important topics that we want to talk about and touch on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yes, yeah, and there's uh, there are a few people here in the chat uh, who I know as well yes. who are caregivers who end up not having enough spoon themselves or end up being in pain spikes themselves because they are a primary caregiver for someone else as well. And, you know, I, honestly, I know it's a, right now is not the time to do show prep, but perhaps that's something that we can maybe have a series on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and going forward, something we've also talked about is having um, other individuals coming onto the podcast with us and having interviews with them yes. about certain subjects. 100%. Uh, so those are things um, going forward. Uh, for today's topic being brain fog and isolation, was there anything else that you want to touch base on before we wrap up? I was literally going to say the same to you. I think we <laughs> covered it well. Um, I think glad that we're still somehow twins. Um, yeah, right. All goes on anymore. <laughs> I was like, "This is about a good time to wrap up in my head." And there you, there you go. You said yep, it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. This is how professional we are. Come on, guys. Oh, it's something, 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 lemon, something. something. <laughs> <laughs> but I will hand it over to you to do the outro. And um, thank you for just being an amazing friend and partner in this whole thing. Yeah, I'm really glad. What's interesting, and we've mentioned this before, it was one of our friends who was just like, hey, you should do a podcast together. And both of us immediately jumped on this being like, oh my goodness, absolutely, yes, we should. Why haven't we already been doing this? Right. What the hell has happened in the last six months that neither of us have thought thought of this? So, friend, I don't recall who it was, but thank you once again. Yeah. Because this is this occurred because you've mentioned it randomly in in our stream one day. Exactly. Um, but on that note, I want to thank all of you for being here. For those who are in the podcast listening, thank you for being here with us with Back Pain Pals. I am Lesbian Next Door or LND. This is my co-host Sid, Sid Coletti. They are a wonderful individual. Uh, we met through twitch which is a platform that we're originally doing this on you can find sid at twitch.tv slash sid underscore coletti and you can find myself at twitch.tv 
slash lesbianextdoor. I want to thank you so much for your time. All of you gals, guys, and non-binary pals, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. I hope that you have a good night's rest and that you wake up to a beautiful morning. I appreciate you being here with me. Thank you. And thank you, my friend. I appreciate you. And all of you I out appreciate there. appreciate you. You're all amazing. And uh, well, I'll see you next time. Absolutely. You take care, friend. Bye, friend. Bye. I'm still waving at you. It's fine. I'm waving at you. It's totally fine. It's not awkward at all. All right. Bye. It's fine. Bye. Love, 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 love. Okay, bye. That was our show. And on behalf of L&D and myself, I want to thank you so much for being here. If you want to see either of us and visit our streaming communities, please visit my friend L&D at twitch.tv forward slash lesbian next door. All one word or myself at twitch.tv forward slash Sid underscore Coletti. That's C-I-D underscore C-O-L-E-T-T-I. Also, we encourage and appreciate any and all feedback, so please feel free to email us at backpainpals at gmail.com. That's backpainpals, B-A-C-K-P-A-I-N-P-A-L-S at gmail.com. And let us know what you think or any ideas that you might have for our show or any feedback you'd like to share. Until next time, thank you for stopping by and listening, and we appreciate you, and uh, take care.